0: Welcome to the Society Column, Swansea's social sciences podcast. My name's Gideon Calder, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Dr. Annie Tabadji, a senior lecturer in economics. Annie's work is all about the role of value in economics. Now, many people think that economics should be viewed as a completely value-free kind of science. Annie disputes that view, and as we'll see, there are all sorts of reasons why the questions about how we value things matter in economics, and also to do with how we understand people from different cultural backgrounds. We met in spring 2023, and I really hope you enjoy the discussion that follows. So, Annie, tell us about your journey. What led you to this specific area of research?
1: Well, what I'm working on is cultural bias in economic choice, right? So, what does this mean? Culture, this is the attitudes that we have. And economic choice is essentially every choice that we make. So I was uh, always interested in culture from the funny part of it. I wanted to become an artist, right? So I loved the painting, I loved the history, I loved the new things which were happening. So the cultural heritage and the living culture simply always fascinated me. And I just felt they're a very important part of people. And I do tend to travel around the world, right? So I noticed how all places are full of really nice people, but they have these different, slightly different attitudes and slightly different cultures that they do love equally fondly. But then, exactly because of this fondness, sometimes they miss to appreciate some ideas if they're not packed in the same colorful packaging that they're used to see it. And so this was my personal experience. And then also, I was very good at maths. So my family said, well, we better make sure you have bread on the table, so why don't you go study economics? (laughs) Right? So, okay, I did that, and um, I was shocked how comes this science, which supposedly explains human choices, didn't factor in anything about feelings and anything about culture? And Obviously, culture is the expression, the quintessential expression of our feelings as a civilization, as races, as creatures. So um, I started digging on this, trying to understand how it comes. And um, after finishing my BA, I uh, worked for the United Nations for a while, and I discovered that there are types of economic studies which are way more social. Uh, There are things um, such as uh, development studies, such as regional economics, and uh, they do take very seriously the human factor. And they have used a lot of information from anthropology, from sociology, from human uh, rights law, and have integrated them in order to make the economic science much more human. But their problem is they do not go all the way they do not really look into the human choice the individual choice right and I want to go to the very core of it because the best economics is the one that really understands the mechanism of choice and there it is still a void how culture and and how feelings are part of this choice they say oh no we leave this to the psychologists Well, but if you want to understand choice, people do make their economic choices by letting their feelings filter. So you either never will understand properly the choice made and the mechanism behind it, or um, you will satisfy with something that obviously is not depicting the whole picture, right? Or, Or you have to fix it. And there's what I'm doing. I'm trying to fix it. And I find it exciting because people do not know enough about uh, the way that um, feelings function per se in us. From a biological point of view, we don't know where exactly in the the brain this happens. And the choice, the economic choice uh, modeling, uh, is um, in its uh, origins done by people like Herbert Simon. And these people were working both in economics and artificial intelligence development, right? Uh, But they manage to figure out the economic part of the choice, the cost-benefit analysis of the choice, this kind of more um, rational choices. And the emotional part is still to be plugged in. There are some people who talk about procedural rationality or rational fools, but this is in the dawn of it, right? So So there is where culture has to be plugged in. Specifically,
0: when you're talking about culture, you often zoom in on values mm-hmm. as, as being very significant in this whole process of the way in which people make choices. Where do you see the role of values in all of this? And what do, what do you mean by values?
1: Well, values are uh, the baby of the um, meeting between culture and feelings. Okay? Uh, because nothing in itself has a value things just are when we look at things we start making sense of them by referring to our culture and depending on what our culture tells us we develop the feeling whether this thing will be good or bad for us right and therefore if it is good we associate it with positive value real value, good value and if it is uh, according to our culture something which should be evaluated as you know negative and harmful thing we develop a bad feeling about it and we consider it of bad value and then that's how our preferences for things shape and we decide whether we want to choose something or we do not want to choose something in addition to what the thing actually is from economic point of view right it might be a kind of an investment But whether we will like or not this investment won't be decided only by if we'll make a certain percentage of income from it, but we'll pass it through our value system. Is it good for society? Is it good for me as a person to engage with that kind of activity? And we do factor this in as human decision makers, hopefully.
0: (laughs) So I think we'll come back to this, but then there's that interesting question about how much or in what ways people in different kinds of society exercise their values in the same kinds of ways or value the same kinds of things or express their preferences in the same kinds
1: That's of That's it. Ways. Culture, the different cultures, uh, bring up different kind of evaluation uh, for one and the same object. So depending on the cultural background that you come from, you will evaluate the same object differently. And uh, then this creates... Uh, Room for disagreement. (laughs) This creates uh, room for um, really missing to see opportunities, right? It gives room for conflict. So, the whole spectrum of human communication from cooperation to conflict is dependent on this uh, difference of uh, values, which is um, purely culturally based, right? Or to a very big extent, culturally based. And the objective characteristics of uh, any option for choice is uh, just uh, the starting point. But um, this starting point can uh, have completely different impact to people even in the same country. We know about the polarization, which happens um, in the political world, but it happens in just about any field. Of uh, our human life. There are people who support the decolonization and people who are <laughs> strongly upset by, by this idea. And Any other uh, subject that you can pick uh, will be always having uh, these polarizing uh, opinions even within the same uh, culture. So there is a difference between the cultural heritage and the living culture of places. So even people with the same cultural heritage today may create their living culture attitudes in a different direction and that's how culture is a dynamic animal it's not something static that can be known once and then you can know everything about how it happens you have to monitor it how it evolves and how it interacts with humans today in order to understand how their cultural um, dynamism affects their values how their values readjust and how they will affect the economic choices or political choices that you're interested to monitor
0: so um it's a fascinating picture that you paint there and this is a very mean question in response but um nonetheless i'm going to ask it um give us a takeaway point from your work what's the what's the one thing you'd like people do you'd like to tell people about your research findings
1: They have to remember that their beloved culture is actually a beautiful, colorful snake which uh, can very well poison their ability to cooperate and to see opportunities. And this links uh, with uh, how um, my research is applicable um, in everyday um, life. It helps uh, to unbox yourself from the cultural biases and it helps to evaluate the true impact of um, any factor of interest. And uh, this is the co- so-called value-free analysis of values, which is um, recommended, elaborated and tested many times by my research party in culture-based development. If you pick any paper of mine, I'm doing this thing, I'm doing value-free analysis of values. So, It uh, helps uh, people to really grow awareness. I told you I worked for the United Nations. Well, the United Nations has two big missions. The one is to make the economic consultancy much more um, informed by uh, the social life. So that's uh, the new bridge uh, initiative of uh, UNESCO uh, and uh, the whole UNDP. And the other is, um, uh, well, they want to raise awareness, awareness for the problems that they have elevated at the level of uh, millennium development goals. So awareness, what does it mean? You want people to know and to care about the millennium development goals and their problems. But the problem of human thinking is that as much as you might be informed about a problem you may develop your feeling either on the positive or the negative side depending on your cultural bias right so what i want to do is to add uh, to this awareness building uh, process a tool the value-free analysis of values where you can really look at the facts and help yourself um to become reasonable about your evaluation to divest your cultural um cloak, <laughs> the, the, this snake's uh, uh, skin to take it away, and to remain only on the three main aspects of the problem. Is the particular factor of interest having an impact on a particular outcome? Because anything in the world can be good or bad, depending what outcome you have in mind, right? If um, I'm very kind to my child, it may grow up as a very happy child, but it may also have a very poor performance at school. So my kindness to the child has to be evaluated with regard to a particular outcome, first of all. Good for what? And only that's what we can uh, really know and label things. Otherwise, everything in the world has something positive and something negative. Helps for some things and is negative for other things. So if we want to be reasonable about it, first, with regards to what? Second, um, the so-called... Uh, golden mean right the aristotelian uh, philosophy b- comes here up to what point i think is good in economics they say the more the better well but not really right if you put the fire too high well things will burn they won't become better cooked necessarily and then the very um uh, last point of the very free analysis of values is to make the Platonian analysis. So to say, okay, even if it is a true factor that contributes to an outcome, and if you know up to what point you have to put the heat in order for things to go right, this may differ from place to place, right? And then you have to check this, uh, you have to check to what extent people would be able to appreciate this factor and to integrate it according to their cultural settings. And, of course, I'm working quantitatively, I'm working with statistics, and all these have um, a replica how to do it uh, in statistical terms. To make The last thing you can do with a hierarchical model that looks at the impact at different places. So, yeah, it's an exciting and fair way to look at uh, the world, to allow the world to recognize it for what it is, I think, with feelings, feelings that are related to its identity, to its culture, and then help it be reasonable because, well, the age of reason was a long time ago and we are still raising the flag up.
0: That's really helpful. I mean, it sounds from what you're saying as if potentially this way of looking at things could be relevant to almost everything, everywhere, in terms of its implications. I wonder, I mean, our our usual last question is, so tell us why this... Is necessary for us to think about for the future. You know, what, what's the what's the what's the point of all this in terms of problem solving in the world or the challenges we face? But I wonder whether, in fact, in this case, you would think that it has a very wide range of potential applications. I wonder whether any of them, in particular, would be a good example to show what difference it might make.
1: Well, I think it is uh, certainly related to certain developments and bringing them one step further. So the evidence-based policymaking is obviously the origin of what I'm proposing, but this value-free analysis of values (coughs) manages to um, help the decision-maker become more reasonable than he naturally is. We are prone to these biases, right? So you want to be evidence-based, but you can very easily fall into the trap of bringing your uh, emotions, your culture in. And, uh, you know, some um, of uh, the sciences like sociology, like, uh, um, you know, anthropology, they have long time uh, realized this dependence uh, on the um, uh, bias of uh, the researcher. But economics uh, hasn't right? And economists are the ones who are advising very much policymaking. So uh, some uh, of um, the <laughs> uh, beneficiaries uh, you, or stakeholders, if you want to call them uh, in the whole process, such as the policymakers, such as UNDP, they have already realized this, that um, the advice from economists misses the human factor. That's why they created the bridge initiative. Um, but What has to be fixed is actually economics because there is a lot of useful advice also from economics. So we cannot just throw it and substitute it with sociology. We just have to make a tool which combines the power and wisdom of these different sciences and start being uh, one degree wiser in the way we do things.
0: Does it affect how you teach your students these Mm -hmm. kinds of insights?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm starting um, a new module on culture-based development, which is... uh, yeah launched this uh, new semester from October onwards. So uh, I am really looking forward to introduce children to this kind of thinking. These They are the, the children of our new tomorrow, right? They will make it better. And I want them to be equipped with this. And I believe that they'll do it because it's very intuitive, very natural to understand that there is this human factor in us and to see that it's missing in the economic uh, studies. So all economic students are very excited and happy to, to understand how they can expand their toolbox to address the, the natural process more realistically. And um, they have already shown this interest, um, research methods. So I expect it will be a really enjoyable process.
0: So there's more to life than mathematical modeling?
1: No, actually I do a lot of mathematical modeling which factors in the cultural element.
0: So best of both.
1: Best of both, yes.
0: (laughs) Well, Annie, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon and all the best with your new module and with your future work.
1: Thank you, Dean, And I hope that we'll do a lot of interesting work together, not only with economic students, but beyond.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. I hope so too. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Society Column. The next one will be available next Monday from wherever you normally find your podcasts.